Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Renewing efforts to pin down the origins of the pandemic. Senator Rand Paul leads the first congressional hearing today on gain-of-function research. NTD's Iris Tao brings us more. Revisiting the issue of how COVID-19 originated, Republican Senator Rand Paul leading the first-ever hearing on gain-of-function research, which involves altering viruses to make them more transmissible. The American people deserve to know how this pandemic started and to know if the NIH funded research that may have caused this pandemic. The hearing comes amid intensifying Republican scrutiny on whether a leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China, or WIV, caused the pandemic. And here's Dr. Stephen Kui with Atasa Therapeutics testifying today. There is no dispositive evidence the pandemic began as a spillover of a natural virus in a market. All evidence is consistent with a laboratory-acquired infection. I do understand this conclusion is not widely held. And an MIT professor raising national security concerns. We are so used to thinking of pandemics as a health and safety issue that we've missed the national security implications of identifying viruses that could be deliberately unleashed to kill millions of people. But another major concern focuses on whether the National Institutes of Health funded gain-of-function research at the Wuhan facility, an allegation that NIH leadership had denied. The NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute Do they fund of Dr. Barrick? The molecular biologist Dr. Richard Ebright accuses Dr. Anthony Fauci of lying about NIH's funding ties. The statements made on repeated occasions to the public, to the press, and to policymakers uh, by the NIAID director, uh, Dr. Fauci, have been untruthful. I do not understand why those statements are being made because they are demonstrably false. And experts, while urging more U.S. oversight on such research and on the funding that goes with it, also call for more attention on China's behaviors. Are you concerned with the continuation and expansion of Chinese gain-of-function research? They were doing synthetic biology on a cloning vector of the Nipah virus, which is 60% lethal. We just experienced a 1% lethal virus. And the hearing comes just a week after Paul sought to introduce an amendment to the CHIPS Act that would ban all U.S. funding of gain-of-function research in China. And Democrats objected to the move, although the Senate had unanimously agreed to it last year. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. Vaccine mandates have forced many Americans out of their careers, including many first responders and those in our military. And President Biden, who is double-vaxxed and double-boosted, is on his second round of quarantine from the CCP virus. Questions are being asked again. Why the mandates? Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson has been asking these questions as well, and we had a chance to speak with the senator earlier. Senator Ron Johnson, thank you for taking some time for us today. Happy to be here. Senator, we've come a long way right now since the early stages of the pandemic. Uh, Vaccines have been rolled out. A lot of data is now coming in. What would you say is the state of the state in terms of the pandemic in the United States? Do you really think the data is coming in? I think to me that's the greatest disappointment. We've had to look to either Israel or Public Health England, Public Health Scotland. Now they're shutting down their information streams as well. 
So my biggest, uh, one of my biggest concerns is our federal health agencies have not been honest. They've not been transparent. Uh, I think in many cases it's, it's literally willful ignorance. They're, they're not doing what they said they were going to do. I mean, for example, I have an oversight letter out right now that they're going to you know, be employing standard operating procedures in terms of analyzing the VAERS data. Uh, you know, I, I listened to their eight-hour, I think it was an eight-hour uh, teleconference uh, prior to the EUA of the vaccines, how they were, they're bragging about the VAERS system and their safety surveillance systems and how, you know, they're going to take those things so seriously that if, if you had an adverse event that cost you a couple of days loss of work, we're going to have a CDC representative on the phone talking to you and figuring out what's po- That was all BS. Uh, as soon as the safety signal started screaming at them through the VAERS system, what did they do? They denigrated the VAERS system. So I think among many disappointments, one of the biggest disappointments in terms of the federal health agencies is they're just not giving us the information, and I don't think they really want it. Senator, would you say that there is enough data in terms of, you know, you have servicemen and women, uh, doctors, nurses, people that have been subjected to the vaccine mandates and, and have lost their jobs. Is there enough data right now to at least call for a legitimate end to the mandates? Oh, absolutely. There's enough data before the vaccine mandates everyone to, to affect that the vaccines, unfortunately, uh, do not prevent infection. They do not prevent transmission. So the, the mandates from the get-go were completely pointless, completely idiotic, and totally destructive. So your event here today, um, it's in relation to Big Pharma. What, what do you think their culpability in this whole uh, situation is? Well, certainly my eyes have been opened up. Uh, I, I've always been supportive of the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, I, I know they have to make money, cost billions to develop a new drug. Uh, I don't uh, harbor any ill will f- from them being successful because they need that money to develop new drugs. I, I want new drugs, you know, new life-saving drugs, but... Now I've just witnessed the capture, the regulatory capture of Big Pharma of these agencies, and I think it's thoroughly corrupted them, combined with you know, all the grant money flowing from people like Fauci to you know, medical research. It's corrupted that as well. It's corrupted our medical journals. I mean, it's, we, we, have a, we have a corrupt medical system in this country, from the pharmaceutical companies down to the federal health agencies, through the research centers, to the medical journals. Uh, it should concern every American. The State Department is issuing a warning over a higher potential for anti-American violence in foreign countries. That's after a drone strike recently killed the leader of al-Qaeda. The State Department said on Tuesday terrorist organizations might be planning attacks against the United States and interests abroad. They say these attacks may include suicide operations, assassinations, kidnappings, hijackings, and bombings. The agency warns attacks could happen in locations around the globe. U.S. citizens traveling abroad are advised to check government travel advisories before leaving for a new destination. Ayman al-Zawahiri, an Egyptian national, was killed by an American drone strike on Sunday. He took over al-Qaeda after Osama bin Laden was killed. Before his death, Zawahiri had been listed as an FBI most wanted terrorist. Among the many threats our country is facing now, what's the single greatest threat? I asked this question to General Keith Kellogg, the former National Security Advisor. He had some unique insights. Here's our exchange. General Keith Kellogg, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me today. General, if I can ask you, what do you think is the single greatest threat uh, facing the United States right now? This is gonna probably sound a little bit strange to you because you're thinking I'm gonna say China or Russia or Iran, but I think the greatest threat we have 
is a lack of leadership at senior levels right now because that drives everything. And if you don't have this positive driven leadership, then things start to fall through the crack. And I'm starting to see that. So it goes back to what keeps me up at night. What keeps me up at night is this lack of leadership or a resolve to get something done. And because of that, you see Russia going into Ukraine, which is a major threat in the European environment. You see China constantly threatening, threatening Taiwan, which is a major concern for us in the Far East. And then you see Iran now marching to get a potential nuclear weapon, which will totally destabilize the Middle East. But it all comes back to the level of leadership. Do we want to prevent these nations from doing it? And then how do we go about doing it? In general, sir, would you say that it's a matter of policy or is it just fundamental capability? I think it's policy. And it's not because we have wonderful capabilities within our State Department or in, our, in economics or even in the military. What it comes down to is the policies of the administration. You know, when they tell you, for example, let's just use here in the United States, when they tell you, the, and you have your DHS secretary saying the border is secure, then you're not seeing what's really happening down there. Or your definition of secure is significantly different than my definition of secure. So it's all about policy. But again, policy emanates from the commander-in-chief from the president of the United States. And, and part of a policy is, and, and I've said this many times before, is doing nothing is in fact a policy. And if you don't want to do anything, which they're doing, then that's the policy. Just don't rock the boat, don't do anything with it. Switching gears a little bit here, I want to ask you about our National Guard. Um, tens of thousands of National Guardsmen are facing disciplinary action for not being vaccinated. What do you think these types of controversies do to the morale? Of yeah, you know, that's a great question. And I think it really does affect morale. It's like a woke policy. And, and when I say this to people, I said, look, the Army is missing their recruiting goals by tens of thousands, which really we haven't seen in, in years. And they're missing it not because they say in an economic environment, no. They're missing it because there's a lot of young men and women who decided, I just don't want to do that because I don't want to go into a military that is woke or, or, or proceeding on things that I don't really believe in. So they're saying, I have options. And one of my options is to not join. And they're voting with their minds and their feet. So you're starting to see that. And I think it's going to cause us problems. If the, if the military thinks that they have now are going to fix the recruiting problem in the near term, I don't think they are. It's going to affect the Army. It's going to affect the Marine Corps. It's going to affect the Navy and the Air Force. We're already seeing that with the COVID-19 policies that they've got. We're seeing it with the, with the things they're now teaching inside the military. Look, I had a, uh, a relative who had just come back from 11-month deployment. And the first thing he got caught up in, his first thing he came back, the first day for duty, was all about woke policies. And he said, Dad, when he was talking to me, my, he said, what, what about fighting and learning to fight, training to fight, fighting to win on a battlefield? Instead, we're talking about social issues. We shouldn't be focused on social issues the first day we're back from a deployment. And he's right. General Kellogg, thank you. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.